0: Love, Talk Radio Good morning everyone Hope you're having an awesome day I was out here today at the Harbor Docks Just overlooking the harbor And just thanking the Lord for the blessings I have The family, the extended family Just life in general You know, sometimes we get busy in our hectic schedules And we forget to count our blessings That are there And I, I get so many emails And I... I look at them. I, I try to answer the ones that are important. And I thought, you know, I've been so blessed for the last 12 years to live in one of the most gorgeous places in the world. Uh, it's not without its own its own struggles. I remember leaving town when one of my relatives said, "You think you're moving to Utopia?" And I thought, "Well, no, but at least it'll be warmer." And uh, I tell you, we've had a blast down here. It's uh, it's wonderful. Pages in the middle of sending in some new contracts, writing some new books, and looking to get a new agent this year and, and really take her career to a different level, and And it's been a blessing just to see how she's flourished in her writing, being here in Florida. Today we're in John Maxwell's book, Success 101, What Every Leader Needs to Know, and we're in Chapter 9, Am I Striving to Keep Learning? The day you stop growing the, the is the beginning of the end of your success. And success is not just in business. It's in relationships. It's in hobbies. It's in whatever it is you're doing, just just your own studies, I guess. It's funny. John loves storytelling. This is one of the things that I love about him. And he starts this chapter off. He says, if you, if you see the image of a little guy sporting a tiny mustache, carrying a cane, and wearing baggy pants, big clumsy shoes, and a derby hat... More than likely, you know immediately, it's Charlie Chapman. Just about everybody recognizes him. In the 1910s and the 1920s, he was the most famous and recognizable person on the planet. If we'd looked at today's celebrities, the only person even in the same category as Chapman in popularity would be Michael Jordan. And to measure who is the bigger star, we would have to wait another 75 years to find out how well everybody remembered Michael. When Chapman was born, nobody would have predicted great fame for him. Born in poverty, the son of an English music hall performer, he found himself on the streets as a small child when his mother was institutionalized. After several years in workhouses and orphanages, he began to work on the stage to support himself. By age 17, he was a veteran performer. In 1914, while just in his mid-20s, He worked for Max Cynic and Keystone Studios in Hollywood, making $150 a week. At 17, he had started performing. By his mid-20s, making $150 a week. During his first year in the movie business, he made 35 films, working as an actor, writer, and director. Everyone recognized his talent immediately, and his popularity grew. One year after starting his career in Hollywood, he was earning $1,250 a week. From 150 to 1250 That was in 1914. In 1918, he did something unheard of at that time in Hollywood. He signed the entertainment industry's first $1 million contract. He was rich. He was famous. He was the most powerful filmmaker in the world at age 29. Chapman was successful because, of his great, because he had great talent and incredible drive, but those traits were fueled by his teachability. See, he continued to strive to grow, to learn, to perfect his craft. Even when he was the most popular and highest paid performer in the world, He was not content with the status quo. What he would do, folks, is is if he did not see people laughing at a joke, laughing at a stunt, he'd rip it apart until he figured out why. If it wasn't any good, he pitched it. See, he had this desire to grow personally. And because he was constantly trying to learn, constantly striving to be better, constantly listening to what others had to say, his success economically was beyond the most imaginable proportions in the 1920s. He wanted to do his best and he continued to grow over and over. Think about this for a second. How many people do you know they start out right? They start out rocking it out, they're doing good, they're they're listening, they're they're coachable. But then all of a sudden they start believing their own press. Man, I did this. You know, more than once. I did it in my bail bond days. I did it again when I when I used to manage a country club that was having some great success. We were doing a turnaround. It's funny how arrogance can replace teachability. We we start to look at ourselves with self satisfaction. I was in a conversation this week with somebody who said, Why can't you just be content? with the way things are and at first that hit me pretty hard this is someone that I dearly care about and I thought why can't I be content with the way things are so the last couple three days I pondered that as I was reading John's book and I realized I never settle for status quo I've learned over the years I've got to constantly be growing. If I'm not growing, I'm dying. Sometimes when I'm not growing, my ego and my arrogance gets out of check. See I have these I have these personal issues. I've got a high pain tolerance so I could fight and win. I don't mind yelling because I listen to my dad yell. So I can yell back louder than most people can. Although words can hurt deeply, usually I attack because I have this little anger issue. And my mom used to teach me I could do anything I wanted to do, and I transformed that into from from confidence to cockiness. And every now and then I can let my arrogance get out of way. And if I just set back and look at the status quo, and if I just set back and am happy with where I'm at, I mean I live a block off the beach in a beautiful island where where rich people like Wayne Rogers and And Britney Spears and Governor Huckabee and people like that live. I could say, Look at me, look at me, look at me. But I realized I'm just one individual in a big game, game of life. So when this hit me, when this was, Why can't you be content? I realized because I constantly want to learn more. I constantly want to better myself. I want to leave a legacy for my children. I am far from the greatest father that ever walked face the earth. Matter of fact, there is not one of my six kids that are going to tell you I am up for the award of father of the year. But I definitely want to leave a legacy so that my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren if the Lord tarries, can look back and say he never, ever stopped growing. See, I believe that's what we're looking at here. See, John writes in a way, because I, I, I've i listened to him for so many years, I know that everything he writes is for his family also. It's not just for business. And see, we have to have this desire to grow, desire to constantly be listening and, and learning, because the day we think we know it all will be the start of our downfall. See, there were other people at the time of Chapman that maybe were even more talented than him. Ford Sterling, Ben Turpin, two of the greatest silent film actors of their time, and yet none of us remember who they are. Is that what you want? A short fizzle of fame and fortune just to be gone the next day? I've thought about that over and over and over. I look at Hollywood and I look at all the films that we watch and all the great people that we, we admire right that moment. And then they're gone. And we wonder what happened. Where did they disappear to? You mean they died a few years ago? I mean, it's a, it blows my mind. Because we've got this, this, I don't know what it is, we just don't pay attention. We're not constantly growing, neither are other people, so they're replaced. You'll be replaced if you settle for the status quo. We can't afford to do that. Did you know, I'll tell you another little tidbit, did you know that Charlie Chapman got so ticked off that the studios controlled the the dynasty and the legacy of the actors that he said, we're not going to put up with that crap? And it was him and a couple of his partners, Douglas Fairbanks and and Mary Pickford, I think I think uh, W W or D W Griffith was also there. But you know what they launched? They launched United Artists, which is one of the film companies that are still there, focused on the artists. I studied this. I looked at this. I I, I went on to Google. Wanted to look a little bit more about Charlie Chapman because I. I just think silent movies are the dumbest thing that ever walks the face of the earth. I just didn't get them. But as I started studying, not just Chapman, but some of the others, here's what I came up with. Do you realize how hard it had to be to act in the 1900s when there was no such thing as a computer? When there was no such thing as, as computer-generated images? These guys were true actors and actresses to be able to captivate the audience in such a way. You had to constantly be on your game. And I thought, man, if we were constantly on our game today in the 21st century, what can we accomplish? See, successful people are willing to face the danger of contentment. They're willing to face the status quo because they already know they've got just enough influence to push through it. They know that that deep inside of them they will never settle for that, so they have no problem facing it. It's those people that set back and pretend they want to be successful that get content. They make a little bit of money, they get a little prestige, they get a little rank advancement and they settle. And when it stops growing and they lose it, they start bitching and moaning. Why did this happen to me? Somebody did this to me. They took away my stuff. It's sad. Very sad. John writes something in here. I thought this was good. He says, Your growth determines who you are. Who you are determines who you attract. Who you attract determines the success of your organization. Now, your organization is anybody more than just you. So let's look at it this way. Your growth determines who you are. Who you are determines who your mate is. Who your mate is determines the success of your marriage. Not fully, but partially. Or or your growth determines who you are who you are determines how you raise your kids how you raise your kids determines in part some of their success or failure see we can we can use this in any facet any aspect of our life here's here's how john sums it up if you want to grow your organization you have to remain teachable John Maxwell has remained teachable every year. He studies many, many books, listens to other teachers. matter of fact, I don't know how many years, seven or eight years I watched him at Catalyst speak one or two times, but then he was always on that front row listening with respect to what the others had to say. Louis Giglio, another one of my heroes, does the same thing. He is constantly looking for up-and-coming talent for his record label, But yet he's listening all the time at Catalyst and other places so that he can grow to be a better pastor of his church in Atlanta. So what do we do? How do we do this? How can we maintain a coachable attitude? What my Christian friends would say, a coachable spirit. Number one, cure your destination disease. John says, ironically, lack of teachability is often rooted in achievement. Some people mistakenly believe that if they can accomplish a particular goal, they no longer have to grow. Success is not a destination. It's a journey. Marriage is a journey. Your health is a journey. Your spiritual life is a journey. There's nothing out here that isn't a journey. It should never be a destination. I'm testing Yoli's brand new fat-burning metabolism system. It has nothing to do with getting rid of calories. It has to do with upping your metabolism. And I realized very quickly, I'm losing inches. I'm losing weight. This is exciting. But it's just the journey. It's not the destination. Even though my goal weight is 165, it will be a journey to maintain that. See, we have to constantly be growing in every aspect of our life. Ray Kroc, the man that took McDonald's and made it a household word, said, as long as you're green, you're growing. As soon as you're ripe, you start to rot. That's so true. Number two, you have to overcome your success. I was having a conversation with my wife last night. We were talking about my days as a bail bondsman and a bounty hunter those are not pretty years in our life, in our marriage. We got to a point and she said, Well, that wasn't your fault, honey. You can't you can't you can't focus on that. And I said, Oh yes, I can. Because I let my arrogance get in the way. My success got in the way of my growth. John says that in order to to constantly be growing, you've got to overcome your success. He writes Another irony of teachability is that success often hinders it. Effective people know that what got them there doesn't keep them there. I had pushed so hard and at age 21 became the fifth bail bond company in the town of Independence, a town that had been closed for years, and I took it for granted. I had insurance companies chasing me down, and I took that for granted. I let my ego and my arrogance and my success get in the way. Sometimes I look back like most men do. We want to reminisce about our success of yesterday, and when we do that, that means we have nothing to be successful about today, which means we aren't growing, we're not doing much. Our greatest successes should always be in the future, not in the past. Not necessarily does that mean it's money. I remember at age 14, Dalton putting the 1st nonprofit together to be able to raise funds to help people in the hurricanes. I thought that kicked butt. At age 18, he did it again to help some people who had been in an arson down here. His greatest successes are still ahead of him. See, we must always be striving and looking forward. Number three is swear off shortcuts. This is huge. Nancy Dornan, and and some of you will not know who she is, her her and her husband Jim run one of the most successful long-term Amway organizations in history. Their son was born with spinal bifida, and their passion has been to make sure that he has the greatest life that he can have. She says this, the longest distance between two points is a shortcut. I remember one year we left Kansas City, headed to Destin. I told Paige, hey, let's take a shortcut. We can go right down here and cross over the the Air Force Reservation. We ended up crossing the Air Force Reservation at the wrong shortcut. And very quickly, once we had gotten into their radar screen, two Jeeps with MPs, or APs is what they call them, guns drawn, stopped us. That was before 9-11. Thank goodness. They realized very quickly, well, he wasn't following directions, and they guided me to where I needed to go. It took us an additional four hours. The greatest distance between two points is a shortcut. See, If we value life, if we value what we're doing, if we value growing and being teachable and succeeding to our highest expectations and maintaining a high standard of excellence, then we need to realize we're going to pay a price. I didn't go into boot camp walking off that bus following that little yellow line thinking it was just going to be a breeze. I was going to California, going to be in San Diego, kicking back, surfing on the beach. It was the hardest 13 weeks of my life. I paid the price in order to say I'm one of the few and one of the proud. It's one small thing. You've got to ask yourself, what price have you paid? If you've been married over 40 years, you've paid a major price in order to have that kind of relationship, that kind of success, and that kind of love. If you've been married over 40 years, your marriage probably sucked somewhere along the way. You probably fell in and out of love with your spouse two or three times, probably didn't like them very much at certain time periods. But deep inside, there was a flame that would never go out. And over the years, through all of the prices paid, through all of the growth, all of a sudden, that flame became a forest fire that won't go away. Through every season of life, you learned something new. It's funny to me as I look at marriages and think, man, if if people would run their businesses the way people that have stayed married 30, 40, 50 years run their marriages, we'd have a lot of successful businesses and very few bankruptcies. John writes this, you cannot be prideful and teachable at the same time. Emerson wrote, for everything you gain, you lose something. To gain growth, give up your pride. See, we get this tendency of thinking, what, i got to pay a price? Why is it that we think paying a price is a negative? We have no problem paying for our cigarettes, paying for our beer, paying for our hookers, paying for our drugs, paying to see some hottie or stud going around naked on a stage. Why in the Sam hill are we not willing to pay for our own growth? These are things we've got to ask ourselves. Why is it that we'll pay the price for vices, but we will not pay the price that we need to pay for growth? We don't want to give up our pride, our ego, our status in life. You know, that's one of the things that pisses me off about network marketing. It's always about the lifestyle. Oh, look at the lifestyle. How about life transformation? Why is it the people that make the most successful money in the world in network marketing never are out there bragging about their lifestyle? Instead, they're out there changing the freaking world. That's the difference between somebody that's got their act together and people that want to pretend they have their act together. Number five. Number four, trade in your pride. Teachability requires that we admit that we don't know everything. Teachability means that we admit that we're going to look bad sometimes. It also means that we're going to make mistakes. Let's just not make the same mistake twice. If you're striving to keep learning, you've got to give up your pride. Number five, never pay twice for the same mistake. Teddy Roosevelt said, he who makes no mistakes makes no progress. John says, but the person who keeps making the same mistake is also making no progress. See, making mistakes is all right. It's not a bad deal. Just don't make the same mistakes twice. you got to keep growing. John shares a little snippet about a sign when he was growing up in rural Ohio. The sign says, If you don't like the crops you're reaping, check the seeds you're sowing. I wrote that one down. I thought that was profound. If you don't like the results you're getting... Look at the actions you're performing. Or maybe the lack of actions. What are you reaping in your life right now? Joy? Success? My wife, I think I told you guys this week. We were we were having a discussion and and I and I told her, I said, You know, I think I know where my, my emptiness lies sometimes in our relationship. I said, I believe that we've lost our friendship that the friendship we had growing up as kids before we got married has has gone away, and I think it's my fault. And and she, being the, the wise author she is, said, yes, it is, and here's when it started. And she started going through situations where I literally treated her as a doormat. That's eye-opening. I didn't want to be teachable. I didn't want to hear about my mistake. I pride myself in being that husband and that man, that that father that my family and my wife needs. And here she is, not sugarcoating a doggone thing, telling me what I've done to her. Now, a prideful husband, I'm a man, I can say this, would have defended himself. But I remembered what John had written in this book. If you don't like the crop you're reaping, check the seeds you're sowing. And I realized, if I've made her feel like a doormat, then I need to somehow figure out how to make her feel like that princess again. And, and I realized in reading John's book that my... Mistakes of the past or my my actions of the past won't work. So words of affirmation and, and cards and all that isn't going to do it. I've done that before. It's going to have to be different actions. So I've gone to work to become a different man. See, I believe that every area of our life we must continue to grow. If we don't, then we may start reaping weeds instead of wheat. So I'm on to a new adventure. I'm going to be pioneering this whole new thing. But I'm never going to stop growing, and that's the key. So how can you improve your teachability? Observe how you react to your mistakes. Man, I'm doing that right now. Do you admit them? I had to admit. Did I apologize? Absolutely. Did I get defensive? I sure the heck wanted to. But I was observing myself. So I could be better I'm going to be trying something new that was the next thing John said to do I'm going out of my way to do new things to take care of my family in a way they've never seen before and I'm focusing in a big way on my strengths and I'm doing my best to stay out of the weaknesses that would cause my family to feel like doormats this is an amazing book it's on success it's supposed to be about business, but it's more than that. That's why in the next few months, you're going to see this show take even a bigger turn. We may we may change the time a little bit. We're definitely going to add video format to it. But you're going to see a lot of new spiritual thread and, and different things roll through this. Tomorrow, we start part three, success at the next level. Am I willing to do the tough jobs? You're going to love it. It's going to be fun. Folks, live life like an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here tomorrow morning for realmentorsradio.com.